0: Welcome to Christchurch Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Please be seated. Uh, two quick announcements. Uh, one, uh, Ethan, would you come up here for a second? Did you hear that viola playing a second ago? Well, kiss it goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ethan's last Sunday with us, and we have been so grateful for his Five years of uh, assisting us with the music program and strengthening it and working with Debbie in so many ways. And uh, because Cream rises, uh, his talent is just shining every time people look. And the, uh, uh, you say it so I don't get it wrong. I he, will be the head director of the Bonham Middle School Orchestra in Ector County. That's right. Okay, very good. So, anyway, he feels like this will take up too much time, which it probably will, uh, and that he should probably back away from Sunday mornings for now. So, uh, we honor him today for all that he's done for us, and we thank you for that, and we want to pray for you uh, for the, your future. And there's cake outside, so that's good. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we lift up to you, Ethan. We thank you for all the ways that he has blessed this church family. I pray that we have brought him blessing in return, and we ask you to bless him in his new work, give him wisdom and discernment, uh, give him a real gift for working with junior high students, and prepare the way for him that every day may be a day in which he enjoys and celebrates, offering his gifts and talents to serve you in this world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet. Uh, The second thing I want to point out uh, in that sense of uh, might as well talk about the elephant in the living room is uh, that's a wall. <laughs> and uh, it was put up, what, last week, I think? Uh, what we have going on behind there is what matters, and that is that there is a uh, new wall going down where the gray wall is, and it's going to be part of the... Am I getting this right? Uh, and it's going to be part of the uh, new youth area. We, Andy has really designed us an amazing youth area we're taking in everything back here. Uh, we're actually going to have an entrance from the road uh, to, to these. Do- we're going to have doors back here. There's going to be a great junior high, a great senior high youth area, and, along with a common area as well. And so uh, that's something to look forward to. But for some reason, they didn't want us tramping through their uh, construction. So they've walled it off for now. And uh, Johnny's people are working on that. And they say we'll have it by, uh, anyway, around Thanksgiving or so. Yeah, so that should be great. And I really can't wait to see this. You know, this whole project was started with the idea that we wanted to really emphasize our youth and our children and their needs for the ministry. And we have already been able to celebrate the opening of the children's ministry area, which is really nice. And thank you again, Andy and Johnny, for such great work over there and design. And then I can't wait for us to see this as well. So keep, keep all of the construction in, in your prayers, and uh, we'll just continue to have little revelations of joy throughout the fall. Today's gospel reminds me that God cares more about my character than he does my comfort. God is after something larger than helping me get through this life with as little trouble as possible. Sometimes God uses trials to help me grow. And, you know, all my life I've heard people talk about walking with the Lord and they decided to follow Jesus and no turning back. And I've said the same things. But what if the Lord sends us onto a crowded fishing boat in the middle of the night to row in the dark? And what if that boat faces a violent windstorm that threatens to capsize the vessel in the middle of the lake? And what if Jesus then tells us, come walk on water? It's one thing to promise to go where Jesus goes or where he leads and follow him all of our days. It's another thing to go in the direction he points when it's looked. It's like he's sending us into harm's way. You know, we we are saying that the mission of Christ Church excuse me one second, the inside is as dry as the outside. <laughs> We're saying the mission of Christ Church is to know Christ and follow him all of our days. But what does that really mean? Sounds nice, but what, when the rubber hits the road, what does it mean to follow Christ all of our days? Well, Matthew tells one story after another that we've heard this summer about what it's like to walk with Jesus wherever he goes. We're led into some pretty unforgettable accounts with the disciples that should cause us to think long and hard about discipleship. And if we use our imaginations and go where they went and see what they saw and feel what they felt, it can have a profound impact on how seriously we take our commitment to follow Jesus where he leads and go where he sins. The scene immediately following the feeding of the 5,000 is what we heard this morning. It provides a powerful picture of the life of true discipleship. I'm sure the disciples will never forget that night in the boat. As the sun dropped behind the horizon, clouds start rolling in over Galilee, reducing the moonlight and starlight to an eerie glow. I'm describing something that happens where there's water. Um, You you know, if you've been to East Texas, you know these things. Uh, (laughs) Jesus led his disciples to the eastern shoreline and had them load into the boat, and directed them to go ahead to the other side toward Bethsaida. Actually, if you look at if you think of uh, the sea as a rectangle, then they actually are on one side over here, and Jesus is sending them to the top. So it's not so much a matter of crossing this way or this way, but diagonally. And After he gets the disciples in the boat and says, okay, y'all go, I'll catch up with you later, then he dismisses the crowd back to their own homes, and then he finally gets to do what he came to do in the first place before the crowds caught up with him, and that was to take the opportunity to talk with his Father in heaven, to just pray together. Uh, We need to notice a few things about this account. Uh, First of all, he did not join them in the boat as he usually did. Uh, In this case, he said, you go on ahead, I'll join you later. It's good to remember that sometimes Jesus is setting us up for a lesson. And I don't mean set up as in a negative thing. But Jesus is laying the foundation for us to learn something new, for us to develop a new aspect of our character. Uh, Jesus never just dismisses us, as in, forget you, I'm going to go pray. He's sending them off to go, preparing them to learn a lesson. Uh, Perhaps the wave of panic began to go over them as the bow began to cut through the waves, But as Jesus waved them on, they had no choice but to simply trust and obey him. And second thing then is Jesus had sent them off into the dark with no light in a boat nearing capacity. And it's a situation in which they would not have been entirely comfortable. Yet Jesus said, go. Once again, he's sending them into a situation that's going to help develop their character. And then third, with the disciples heading across the northeastern quarter of the lake and the crowds dispersing, Jesus finally gets to do what he intended to do when he headed towards uh, the area where he fed the 5,000, and that was spend time with his heavenly father. It's something he loved doing. It was something he was jealous of. He guarded it as closely as he could, at the same time still knowing he had a mission on earth. Um, Now, if this was a big deal to Jesus, we really need to do more than try to carve out five minutes during the day to talk to God. Uh, It's hard, I know, and I, I want you to know I struggle with it as much as anyone, but if it was important to Jesus to spend time with his Father, then it's important for us to spend time with our Father in heaven the benefits we receive from that are far greater than the time we surrender to that the scene of jesus praying suddenly cuts to the disciples laboring to cross the north shore of the lake now the boat was precariously distant they probably thought they would just uh kind of hang on to the coast the whole way around Uh, but The Bible says the wind was contrary, and the boat was battered by the waves. The problem here is they're trying to go this way, and as they're trying to go this way, the wind keeps blowing them this way. And so they're getting further and further from the shore that they're intending to go to. And it's a pretty rough situation they're in, and they recognize that they are... Headed towards calamity, uh, they were in trouble, they knew, they were alone. And then, at the brink of exhaustion and the end of the hope that they had, they saw Jesus coming toward him, walking on the surface of the water. And what does he do? Take courage. it is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Do not be afraid. In between, in between these two phrases are the words that change the situation. It is I. The original text has I am, as in the Old Testament, as in the burning bush. It's like saying, take courage. I am is here. Don't be afraid. And Jesus invited Peter to come and walk on water. Without hesitation, because Peter now knew who was in charge, he jumps out of the boat and plops onto the water. Now notice, onto the water, not into the water. Step by step, he made his way toward Jesus. I kind of think of it like you're walking through snow, especially the first time. Everything seemed to be going fine as long as Peter kept his eyes on the creator who made the wind and the sea. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But it was when, instead of focusing on the one who was the Lord of the elements, instead he started focusing on the unruly elements, then he lost faith And seeing the wind, he began to sink, and he cried out. Yet even in his lapse in fear, Peter gave a sign of genuine faith. He just didn't cry out in horror, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. He cried out, Lord, save me. And that simple prayer is all it took. Jesus reached out his hand, grabbed Peter, and lifted him out of the water with a few words of gentle but firm admonishment, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? This wasn't the kind of stubborn doubt that an unbeliever has, which um, is actually more like stubborn unbelief. I'm not going to believe no matter what happens. It's the doubt that comes from living in a world filled with trials and tribulations that causes even strong believers occasionally to lose sight of Christ and to have to refocus on Him because they're beginning to be fear. Uh, they're beginning to fear the world around them. So, I want to point something out here. Uh, a lot of people make fun of Peter, like, "Oh boy, well he couldn't even walk to Jesus." Blah blah blah. I think this is one of the great examples for a disciple of following Christ. Uh, how, How do you get good at something? Do it badly. And do it badly again. And then do it badly again. And maybe by the 10th or 40th or 80th time, you get a little better at it. Well, Peter had to start somewhere. And he had the faith to start. Jesus was calling Peter and the other disciples to his kingdom. That's what he was here for to bring us all into his kingdom and so when Peter says I want to walk in your kingdom basically Jesus says come on give it a try and we'll try again later if we need to so finally both Peter and Jesus climb into the boat and immediately the wind stopped everyone was safe and sound and Uh, The disciples just were overwhelmed and they worshiped Jesus saying, truly you are the son of God. Not a bad ending to a story. And this story about walking on water and calling Peter to walk with him and calming the storm, it may feel like it's a world away and part of a remote past, but uh, the truth is that all of us are in a sense in the same boat as the disciples. If we use our imaginations, we can relive that scene and understand the kind of tests they went through. As I pondered the principles that emerged in this story, I can think of three connections with our own challenges in life, challenges that bring us to our knees in dependence on Christ. First, we sometimes feel all alone when we experience dark nights, but we're not we have Jesus. And he takes up permanent residence in our lives through the Holy Spirit who indwells in us and empowers us and reminds us of Jesus' presence. And it, it also it enables us to endure whatever may come. He's there even when the night is dark, even when the bottom seems to have dropped out of our lives. And we see only a hopeless abyss. You may feel that way right now. You're running shy of hope and night is closing in. Loneliness is smothering you. Remember, you're never alone. Jesus is there. You know, one of the things I love about our home communion ministry is we have a lot of pastoral care Ministry, And it's all very good. And, and the home communion ministry especially touches my heart because it is a way for us to go into the homes of the people who can't get here and remind them they're not alone. That we, representing Christ, want to tell them that He is with them. And we, serving Christ, are with them too. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing for us to remind the lonely that they're not alone. To remind those in dark places that there is light. You're never alone. Then the second Is that the storms of life seem to last forever, but they really will cease. They're not too long to endure. No storm strikes us that's not known, permitted, or directed by the Lord our God. He's never taken by surprise, He's never taken by surprise by anything that transpires in our lives. Sometimes over the years, Colleen and I have looked at some event that set our heads spinning and in the swirl of confusion think, well, how long is this going to last? Well, Colleen's answer normally is until Lent's over. (laughs) (laughs) Yet even in those moments, we know this isn't an accident. There's a reason here. It's important to remember that God knows what's going on. He knows what he's doing, and nothing is out of his control. The storms of life are never longer than they should be. Not only does God plan the depth of each test, but he plans the length of it as well. When it's time for a storm to come to an end, he'll stop it in an instant, just like on the sea. One minute it's a mess, the next minute it's glass. It's good to remember that God is not almost sovereign. God is fully sovereign. And then the third times we sometimes experience dreadful moments when we think we'll drown, but we don't. Though we may initially take noble steps of faith and experience a boost of confidence, there comes a time when probably for Many, if not all of us, we lose sight of our Lord. We falter and fall. But even when we begin to sink, we sink into his arms. You know, I could let the disease I'm dealing with tear me up. But I know that Jesus is sovereign. And I know he's in it with me. When I have a rough day, I sink into his arms. There's nothing more horrifying than the feeling that we're drowning in the overwhelming floods of life. But instead of responding in panic and doubt, reach out to Jesus. Take his hand. Lord, save me. Let him strengthen and encourage you. None of these tests are designed to finish us off. Not the dark night, not the raging storm, not even those moments when we think we're going to drown. Rather, these experiences are designed to drive us to our knees in prayer and to lift our eyes to the Lord in worship. At these times, we need to see the unseen, to walk by faith. When I was in seminary, it was a time of great uh, up and down and sideways and backways, and we were just trying to reinvent everything, including the name of God. And uh, I was kind of a conservative, stubborn kid, and so I, I kind of held my own and kept my ground and Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, anger and hatred came my way. And uh, what it did do was it drove me to my knees to hold on to Jesus' feet. And every morning, I would get up, fall on my knees, and grab hold of Jesus. And you know, if I hadn't been through those hard times... I wouldn't have known the joy, the glory of really, truly depending on Jesus. Faith means assent and understanding, but faith also means trust. Getting out of the boat into those waters and walking forward to Jesus by the power of Jesus until we get to Jesus. And as we do we realize there's more going on here than what we see in the trouble itself. God is bringing us to our knees and to himself where he trains us for his life in his kingdom. A kingdom where we all walk on water and where we all can still the storm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.